0: You know, it's hard to find a person that doesn't totally love this great holiday spirit we have every year. And while everyone is into the season of giving, don't forget the best way to ring in the holidays is to send your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers a beautiful, vibrant bouquet from our friends at 1-800-Flowers.com. Make them happy this year. 1-800-Flowers, they have a vast selection of elegant roses, lilies, daisies, and much more. And the best part is they're only twenty nine ninety nine. So you can deliver 1-800-Flowers, seasonal bouquet, to any friend, co-worker, loved one. It's the perfect way to let them know how much they mean to you, especially during the holidays. 1-800-Flowers is the only company I trust to deliver fresh flowers from the field for, of course, our holiday gift giving. Now to get beautiful and vibrant bouquets starting at just 29 Just go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Use your desktop, your mobile device. Click on the radio icon and put in my last name, Hannity. 1-800-Flowers.com. Don't forget to click on the radio icon. Put in my last name, Hannity.
1: Hey, this is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose and I'm sitting in for him today. It's my pleasure and honor to do so. Thanks to Ethan and Linda who have helped me out here. I'm in New York City and I have to tell you something. If you've never been in New York City at Christmas time, that's something you should really Ethan, you're pointing a gun to your head. No, I'm telling you, it's for those of us who aren't New York City people, it's really astounding. I mean, I was looking at the Saks Fifth Avenue window display yesterday. It was beautiful and all the lights and the Christmas trees. And it's just, it really is a great experience. It it is. So I would encourage you to think about doing that sometime in your life. Make a trip to New York City around Christmas time. And I just, I love seeing Linda and Ethan. And Linda, you look beautiful. I was sitting here looking at you thinking, my God, she looks more and more beautiful every time I see her. And that is no lie, my friend. That is no lie. Gorgeous. And in the meantime, there's some news. There's news that I have just I feel horrible telling you about. There was a terrorist attack uh, in Berlin. I'll get to that in just a moment. For those of you who may not have heard, the Russian ambassador to Turkey was shot dead uh, in an art gallery the man that shot him said, This is for Aleppo, he said Alu Akbar and shot him. He said, You know what? He told everybody, stand back. The only way I'm going out of here is dead. And so then he was promptly shot dead. If we get any more news on that, we will bring it to you. But right now there was a terror attack that's actually feared, but come on, in Berlin after a truck plowed through a Christmas market. It was market it was in a square, one of their piazzas and their main areas. And market goers were just panicked at the sight of it. It plowed through town square. At least 50 people are hurt. And they're saying that multiple people are dead as a result. And we know this is nothing new. This has happened before. It happened in France. There's been uh, online encouragements for lone wolves to go out there, get in a truck or a vehicle of some sort, and run through a crowd. And that's precisely what happened in Berlin. So our prayers go out to those people Please keep them in, in, in your prayers because, you know, here's the thing, though. I couldn't help but look at that news story and think, now, finally, we will have someone in Washington, D.C. who can call it like it is. He can talk about who the enemy really is. Hillary Clinton couldn't get those words out of her mouth. And it took Donald Trump no time at all to call it like it was. And I feel so encouraged going into the next four years, knowing that there is someone in the White House who understands what the threat is and plans on working together with some of the greatest minds that this country has to offer to strategize against the enemy. He knows who the enemy is. Those he's put in charge know who the enemy is. And I feel so confident going forward. I don't feel that I haven't felt in the last eight years that there was anyone in this administration, the current one, that under really understood or at least was willing to say that what the threat was that we were facing in this nation. And, and to make matters worse, it didn't appear that it had any that Obama had any strategy at all to fight this enemy going forward. I feel confident That Mr. Trump, surrounded by all the right people, will attack this head on. But in the meantime, there are people that are hurt. We're going into the Christmas season and people have been devastated in Berlin and it's devastating to watch. So I ask that you would send them your prayers, please. Thank God it's Mr. Trump that won and he did win. And Hillary lost a couple of times, okay? She keeps losing and losing and losing. My God, you'd think after the first time she'd just let it go. How embarrassing. Today, 538 members of the Electoral College cast their votes for our next president. And ordinarily, we don't even know who these people are. Ordinarily, we don't even pay any attention to this day. Have you ever really thought about the electoral vote in the past? Come on, be honest, you haven't. But this year, however, it's a different story. And leading up to today, families of the electors, the electors themselves, have received death threats. They've received harassing emails and mail and phone calls. They've even been followed by people. And we'll get to that story in just a minute. One elector said that he received more than 200,000 emails. This is amazing. I I just find this so unsettling. Never before have we seen an attempt to disrupt the process, this constitutional process, like we have this time around. It's unacceptable. And if this violence were perpetrated against Hillary supporters, Hillary electors, the media, everyone on the left, they would be so entirely outraged. Where's the outrage? One one woman on television. Looked disappointed that there weren't more protesters where she was reporting from. I wasn't listening. I was only kind of watching and reading the, you know, the chyron that was going across the screen. She seemed so disappointed. You know, the Electoral College today isn't exactly the way the original founders intended it to be, but it's pretty damn close. It's so necessary to our freedom that we respect this constitutional procedure. It protects the sovereignty of the state. Otherwise, cities, major cities, would be determining who would be our next president. But these electors, God bless them. I am so impressed with these electors. Have you ever seen such bravery and courage before? How would you hold up? Think about it. I think about that all the time. They've had death threats, they've had people following them, and they stayed the course. They stayed the course. Pennsylvania, 20 out of 20 electors gave Donald Trump a nod. 215 of the electorate so far out of the 270 have given Donald Trump their vote. I'll go through all the, the numbers a little later in the show. I've got two people, friends of mine from Pennsylvania, who were electors. They're going to tell you what their experience was like in Harrisburg. As a matter of fact, things were so bad in Pennsylvania that the police— had to offer protection to many of the electors. They had protection over the weekend. They had some today if they wanted it. They were issued plainclothes state police trooper protection. That's astounding, isn't it? The Electoral College worked the way it was intended to work. This is what the Electoral College was for. You factor out those those boroughs, those five boroughs in New York City, you know, that's so weird, isn't it? The votes that she received in New York City from those five boroughs and then the rest of the state, she only won by 1,200 and some votes. And what happened in, in California and some cities, you, this is why we need the Electoral College. And these people, I don't know if they're stupid. I was watching the protesters outside state capitals today holding signs, Stop Trump. Stop Trump from what? He's the freaking pre- He's going to be the president. And he's getting there fairly and squarely. And with quite the victory, to be honest. Stop Trump. So everyone on the left, including Hollywood, made it their mission to try to stop the electors. To try to persuade them in some way. And some of the... I'm going to play this ad for you that Hollywood put out. Just to serve as a reminder of what these people were up against. And some of these actors have become so irrelevant over the years. Honest to God, I only recognize two of them, and I only know the one's name. The other one I just recognize by sight. Here's that Hollywood ad.
2: Republican members of the Electoral College, this message is for you. As you know, our founding fathers built the Electoral College to safeguard the American people from the dangers of a demagogue and to ensure that the presidency only goes to someone who is to an eminent degree endowed
3: with the requisite qualifications. An eminent degree, someone who is highly qualified for the job.
4: The Electoral College was created specifically to prevent an unfit candidate from becoming president. There are
5: 538 members of the Electoral College. You. And just 36 other
0: conscientious Republican electors can make a difference
3: by voting your conscience on December 19th. And thereby shaping the future of our nation. I'm not asking you to
6: vote for Hillary Clinton.
5: I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm not asking you to vote for
4: Hillary Clinton. Clinton. As you know, the Constitution gives electors the right to vote for any eligible person.
3: Any eligible person, no matter which party they belong to. But it should certainly be someone you consider especially competent.
7: Especially competent. To serve as President of the United States of America.
8: By voting your conscience, you and other brave Republican electors can give the House of Representatives the
2: option to select a qualified candidate for the presidency. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard Trump Flight 1600 with nonstop service to Canada. We'd like to welcome all our celebrity defectors, and uh, we'll get you out of America just as soon as the tower clears us for takeoff. Once we reach our cruising altitude, flight attendants will pass through the cabin, collecting your U.S. citizenship renouncement forms and serving complimentary beverages and disposable crying towels. Once we reach the drop zone, you'll be guided to the exit ramp at the rear of the plane, where you'll take a crash course on parachute folding and be jettisoned shortly thereafter. We'd like to thank you for choosing Trump Airlines and hope you have a soft landing. Bye-bye.
1: I wish I could pack their bags for them. I really do. I do. I'd pack light. I'll I'll handle it for you. Yeah, say goodbye. Look, the electors were not impressed, nor have they been persuaded. You know, and I saw a lot of them on cable news shows. And you know what? Every one of them was determined to do their constitutional duty. Every single one of them. And I was so impressed with that. Despite the threats, despite the protesters, they wanted to do their constitutional duty. You know, when I looked at those protesters, too, I I couldn't stop thinking about how foolish they appeared holding up those signs he won decidedly and they don't understand i think the electoral process or they have no respect for the constitution but i was really impressed with those electors who went on the news programs to say you know what i'm going to do what i'm supposed to do and nothing no amount of harassment no amount of persuasion from hollywood actors i don't even know is going to change that in any way shape or form one of those people was Arizona elector Robert Graham. He was on Fox and Friends, and he had this to say.
8: You know, we've been talking about electors like yourself
0: have been getting death threats and lousy letters in the mail and email. What's about the worst thing anybody said to you?
3: Well, the worst thing is probably the most uncomfortable thing is uh, one day I had uh, a couple of emails from uh, the same person that said they were going to follow me and they were going to make us very uncomfortable because they knew where we lived and then I needed to cast a vote for Trump. Well the next day on the freeway I was actually looked to my right and I see people following me actually with their phone up against the window videoing they slowed down behind they got in front of my car when I was at a traffic light they were taking pictures mm. and that happened two days in a row and two different people but uh, again slowly passing in front of our house same car same people and that kind of of. of intimidation for me being a state party chair has been not normal but it's a little bit more um, much more public but the other electors this is a new experience for them all around
8: absolutely why do you think the department of justice hasn't launched some sort of a civil rights investigation into uh, you know this intimidation these death threats against people like you
3: i think it well first of all the department of justice nothing surprises me when you look at this current administration their lack of follow-through on anything that has to do with content surrounding the law i mean our president should stand out and say hey stand down people this is the process hillary clinton if she had any class and wasn't such a hypocrite as it related to. you know
1: he's right hillary clinton barack obama people should have stood up and said this is wrong he won fair and square. This is, this is how we do elections in this country. And no one has said a thing, not one thing. There are two members of Congress that even pleaded with electors to consider Russia's role when deciding on how to vote. I, you know what? This whole Russian hacking thing to suggest that this is somehow responsible for Hillary's defeat is simply insane. Hill is responsible for her defeat. No one else and nothing else and there should have never been even an attempt to delay the process, undermine the system, and delegitimize this presidency. This is wrong, because by doing so, you are ignoring the will of 130 million people who followed the election. They heard about the DNC email hack. They understood Benghazi. They're not stupid, and you are ignoring the will of those people who, who understood all of that. I was going to ask Linda to give us an update on what's going on in Berlin. Do you have any new numbers on that, Linda? What's going on?
7: So, yeah, so so some of the eyewitnesses, first and foremost, are saying that the truck was going 40 miles an hour, oh. which clearly indicates that this was not an accident, and police are confirming on the scene that they have up to nine now dead and, and over 50 injured. Oh, my God. So just remember that this is families with their kids out for, you know, Christmas holiday Christmas, stroll. It's just yeah. terrible.
1: It just it breaks we'll my heart. Thank you. I appreciate you doing that. Listen, when we come back, we're going to talk to Colonel Allen West. Here's what I've been wanting to do. Ask someone what it's like to be in the Trump Tower and talk to Donald Trump and strategize with him, you know, as they go through this transition. So he's going to join me for that later. I've got two friends of mine from Pennsylvania, David Urban and Lawrence Tabas. They're going to talk to me about what happened in Harrisburg. Oh, they didn't get a very friendly response after they cast their votes. We're going to do all of this and more when we come back to the Sean Hannity show. So stay with us. Don't go too far away.
5: Government waste and abuse of your liberties every day. Sean Hannity is on right now.
1: Yeah, he is. This is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. I'm sitting in for him today. I wish him a very Merry Christmas. What a great friend he is. You can check me out on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged. As a matter of fact, do more than that. Like me when you go to Rose Unplugged on Facebook. Also on Twitter, it's at Rose underscore unplugged. I host my own radio show, Rose Unplugged, out of Pittsburgh. It is a syndicated show, and uh, I have had this person on with me in the past on my show, and I'm so glad to have him with me today. I really am. Please welcome Colonel Allen West. Good morning, Colonel. How are you?
9: Hey, Merry Christmas, Rose. How are you?
1: Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, but not to the merry in Berlin. They're not having a very Merry Christmas, are they? This is so no, sad to see. Yeah,
9: it's, it's absolutely sad. I mean, you know, if you go back and remember how the year started out in Germany with the the rapes and the sexual assaults of right. German women because of the uh, Islamic jihadists, the military-age Muslim males that Angela Merkel had allowed in, and now at the end of the year, you have exactly what ISIS had uh, commanded to do—to use trucks and vehicles to run people over. We saw that happen in Nice, France, and that was at the time of the French Independence Day. We just recently had that happen here. At Ohio State University with the uh, car being used as a weapon and then the stabbing attack. And, you know, when are we going to have leaders in Western civilization and Western society that will stand up and, you know, stop with the political correctness, stop with the appeasing, the compromise, the acquiescence to Islamofascism and uh, start securing our borders and protecting our citizens?
1: You know what? That's a good question. And I think the answer is now. I mean, the the answer is in 30 some days with the with the transition to a Trump administration. Because honestly, Colonel, I, I remember Orlando, it started with Orlando when Hillary Clinton just could not identify the enemy. And then it's gone on that way. I mean it's always been this way. I've never had confidence in this administration to truly name the enemy and then strategize against the enemy.
9: Well, actually, it goes back to 2009, uh, seven years ago, at Fort Hood, and it is something that the Obama administration still determines is a workplace violence. You think about That's Janet right. Napolitano when she was the head of Homeland Security. We didn't have terrorist attacks anymore. We had man-caused disasters. San Bernardino and Orlando was not about Islamic jihadism and terrorism. It was about gun control. So this is one of these major reasons. Has nothing to do with Russian influence. Has everything to do with the failure of. The progressive socialists the liberal forces of the Democrat Party to you know secure and keep us safe from all harm and danger because since 911 the most uh, the most heinous and the, and the largest terrorist attacks have occurred on the Obama administration's watch
1: do you like me feel confident moving forward that we at least have pe- he's going to sur- he has surrounded himself if all goes well with people who really understand what's at stake here and I think they'll advise him properly and he will receive that advice.
9: Well, the thing that is confounding the left is that Donald Trump is surrounding himself with doers, with practitioners. When you hear the left complaining about a a former four-star general being the head of the Secretary of Defense, when you hear about them complaining about a former three-star general who was the head of the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, under the Obama administration, now being the national security advisor, or a former four-star Marine general who headed up the Southern Command, now is going to head up Homeland Security, they're not used to that. They're just used to having political cronies. They're used to having lawyers and people that are part of their uh, corrupt machine, uh, more elitist, that they put into positions uh, that they're really not qualified to do. So now we have people that have done something, that have achieved something, not in the government sector, but more so in the private sector or in a career pursuit that relates to the cabinet position they're going to be in.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, when I when I take a look at all of those that he wants to nominate for appointments, I'm so encouraged. I, I just across the board, it looks so good and so strong. This administration going forward gives me a lot of hope. And you know, of course, that reminds well, me. Of, no, no, Michelle Obama. I
9: know said that I this saying... is a time of hopelessness.
1: Wait, we have that soundbite. Actually, we can play that for you because I just, I almost, I, I couldn't believe she was saying this. Go ahead. Here's the soundbite. Take your listen, husband's
7: Colonel. administration. Everything. The election was all about hope. Do you think that this administration achieved that? Yes. I do. Because we feel the difference now. Yeah. See, now we're feeling what not having hope feels like. <laughs> you know. <laughs> hope is necessary. It's it's a necessary concept. <laughs> yeah. And Barack didn't just talk about hope because he thought it was just a, a nice slogan to get votes. I mean, he and I and so many believe that if you what else do you have if you don't have hope? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he did. That was just a slogan to get elected. Yeah, it was. I mean, Colonel, honestly, and this is astounding to me. And this is unprecedented. Wouldn't you say to have uh, the 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 sitting president and the first lady out there during this time of transition badmouthing the new president?
9: well it 's very simple. I would ask Michelle Obama what about the hope for those uh, you know disadvantaged young children in the d- in washington d c who watched her husband take away the d c school voucher program while their kids went to Sidwell friends so hope is you know based upon what they determined it to be, which was their agenda, which got completely repudiated with three hundred and six electoral college votes. But the thing is that as the Obamas are sitting in the nice warm uh, climate of uh, Hawaii while the rest of the United States of America is freezing. They're starting to realize that they don't have a legacy. Their legacy is the person yes. by the name of Donald J. Trump, who will be following along. All the things that he did as part of Hope and Change, the fundamental transformation of America, this this way left policy agenda, has been uh, canceled out. And so even now, you still see him trying to issue executive orders, you know, against the coal industry, which will take effect January the nineteenth. What person does that? Mm. You know, in mm-hmm. the last thirty some odd days before they're supposed to leave. So what you hear in Michelle Obama's uh, voice is a disdain, yes. because they know that they're no longer going to have the taxpayer down to fly them all over the place, and uh, they're inconsequential.
1: She sounds so bitter. And any legacy that Obama may have hoped to claim, much of it will be undone by Donald Trump.
9: Well, that's what happens when you don't govern, you seek to rule, exactly. and therefore with the change of the ruler, out go the rules. If Barack Obama had come in with the goodwill that the American people gave him uh, based upon wanting to have this emotional event with the first black president, he took advantage of the American people. And it took us eight years, but we have uh, we sent them a very clear lesson that we do not want to be part of your fundamental transformation of our economic systems, of our military, our national security, our foreign policy. Uh, And we're going to hit the reset button, much the same as y'all gave the Russians.
1: Uh, You know what? I just I'm so looking forward to this new administration. I really am. And I've got to ask you a question because a lot of us out here really wonder what it's like. How is it when you go to visit the Trump Towers, you've got all the media downstairs and a lot of onlookers and you you go up the elevator to meet with Mr. Trump. And you sit through some of this, this transition process. What's that like? Can you give us just a little window into what that might be like?
9: Oh, well, sure. You know, and and I know uh, President-elect Trump from the days when I was a member of Congress because he had properties in the district that I was so honored to represent. So I've been right. up there and met with him before. But what an incredible. Humbling experience for a kid born in the Initiative of Atlanta, Georgia, uh-huh. to be invited twice to be able to go up and sit down with the president elect and vice president elect and members of his transition team and, and others. So, you know, it's, it's an incredible, awesome experience that says truly what America is about that no matter where you're born, no matter where you come from, you can achieve whatever heights of greatness that you want as long as you have the drive and determination to do it.
1: I'll bet you never thought this would be happening, did you? When you were that young boy, were you? No, did you?
9: I mean, but the but the point is that you know I had parents that you know taught me that anything is possible in this Amen. great nation, and, awesome. and and that's that's what you know. Sadly, my parents have passed away, and they're not here to, to be a part of it, but they're watching.
1: You know what? They are, and I'm sure they're very proud. And you know, the thing is, when we look at Mr. Trump. We really do see something that we haven't seen in eight years. We see a man that really loves his country, and he believes in the greatness of this country. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, he, and he believes in the American dream, and he wants every one of us to pursue that dream because he believes with, with great pursuit comes the actual achievement of that goal. And I, and I love that about him, and I, I think a lot of people saw that in Mr. Trump. And, and I'm going to tell you something, Colonel. Some of the people that didn't even vote for him, are now beginning to see, well, maybe maybe he is going to be good for the economy. Maybe he will be good for our defense. And, and I think it's interesting because even what happened at Carrier, if you think about it, I remember the one man that was on Fox News one morning and he said, when I was when I was supporting Donald Trump, and I've been a Democrat all my life, but this year I was supporting Mr. Trump, who was running as a Republican. All of my coworkers would give me a lot of crap about it. He said they were constantly on my back; they were uh, disparaging me. He said, but when Mr. Trump did what he did with those 1,000 jobs and came to speak to the employees of Carrier, those same coworkers were in the crowd yelling Trump. Trump, Trump. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to be the case for many people in this country. People who did not vote for Mr. Trump will begin to eventually see that he maybe is good for the country and more importantly, good for them.
9: Yeah, it's about unleashing that incredible, indomitable entrepreneurial spirit and that work ethic that has made America the greatest nation the world has ever known in 240-some odd years. Now, there are going to be a contingent of people like the Hollywood bozos that made mm. that commercial advertisement. They're never going to get it because they're part of that elitism between New York and Chicago and, and California. But you, you know what you saw in this election cycle was a person that was able to go down and talk to what I call the Joe and Jane everyday. American. Uh, and they get it. And they want to be a part of it. And they want to be a part of the restoration of this constitutional republic. And they don't want to see our sailors on their knees at gunpoint with no. the Iranians uh, and then be told that, you know, we have to thank the Iranians for taking care of our sailors. That's that's a stench in our noses. Uh, and when they hear about, you know, a tractor trailer running over families that are just out at a Christmas uh, bazaar, that's the type of thing they say, you know, there is evil in the world. We've got to confront it. Uh, we don't want people to cower away from calling evil what it is.
1: You know, I'm glad you brought that up because where China's concerned and the drone, they're waiting mm-hmm. for us to say, oh, thank you so much for returning our drone. So instead, Trump was saying, you know what? We should tell China that we don't want the drone. They stole back. We don't want it. Let them keep it. And everyone was all over that statement and they thought it was just horrible. But you know what? It's like, the, he's right. Don't do us any favors. And remember, John Kerry's you just brought up, thank the Iranian government for returning our sailors. I mean, we found yeah. out afterwards that they were humiliating them. Yeah. They should have yeah, taken absolutely. the ship in the first place, and they shouldn't have taken the drone in the first place. So now we're no, supposed to say, right. oh, thank you for giving back something that was ours to begin with.
9: Yeah, it's the double embarrassment. Uh, that we embarrass you on the world stage by taking it while you were watching and now, you know, we sat back and watched you make these quote-unquote strong condemnations okay, we've done whatever we want we'll we'll give it back and, and you, you say thank you to us and, you know, have a nice day. See, look, what we should have done is sent, you know, a naval fleet, but of course Barack Obama has exactly. decimated our Navy yes. but we can't conduct a, a blockade around these man-made islands and think about this, uh, Rose How when was the last time you heard from the environmentalists because China was out there dumping sand on yes. coral reef systems. Good point.
1: Yeah. Exactly right. You know what? I don't. We don't need any favors from them, and I like that Donald Trump understands that, and I think that he'll continue to receive good counsel where China's concerned and Russia and so forth. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we're like 4% of China's GD- GDP. They're 1% mm-hmm. of ours. We can hold our breath longer than they can, right? Mm-hmm.
9: Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, we do have a sense of the moral high ground. But if you don't realize that, if you're just so used to being on your knees, which is what this administration has been, when you look at Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, Islamic jihadism, uh, they don't know how to stand. But I think now America come January the 20th will start standing again.
1: I agree with you. You know, it's always great to talk to you. And I do wish you a very Merry Christmas and God bless you. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Colonel Allen West. Thank you. Same to you. Colonel Allen West, we're going to take a break here. We'll be back with lots more of the Sean Hannity show. We'll take your phone calls. And remember, my Facebook is Rose Unplugged. Like me when you go there. Twitter is at Rose underscore unplugged. We'll be back with more of the Sean Hannity program and the latest of what's going on in Berlin right after this. Okay, we're back. This is the Sean Hannity show. My name is Rose you can like me on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged. Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. I will get to the many phone calls that have come in. It's eight hundred nine four one sean But in the meantime, I've been promising you this. We know that today that 20 of the 20 electoral votes went to Donald Trump in Pennsylvania, my state. I asked two of my friends to join me this morning. One is uh, the who was the senior advisor on the Trump campaign who worked in Pennsylvania and Indiana for the primary went to Cleveland for almost three months for the campaign to assist on the convention, then came back and worked with the rest of us in Pennsylvania. And by the way, he's a West Point grad, and the president-elect, Donald Trump, sat in his box during the first half of the Army-Navy game, where Army beat Navy for the first time in 14 years. Maybe he had something to do with it. Please welcome to the show David Urban. Hi, hey, Dave, how you doing? Rose, thanks for having me. Great. Absolutely good to have you on. Also, the other guest that we have is Lawrence Tabas. He is the counsel to President-elect Donald Trump in the state of Pennsylvania, as Mayor he played a very significant role in the um, recount. So we have him joining us as well. Are you on the phone with us now, Lawrence?
5: I sure am, and I'm honored to be with David on the phone.
1: Oh, I know, right? David's awesome. We love him. Yes, he is. So, okay, guys, you've got to tell me, listen, I've got the sound from what happened in Harrisburg. Let me play that for both of you real quick. <laughs> So the uh, crowd is chanting, shame on you. What was it like to be there, guys? Let's start with you, David. You're the head teller. What happened?
2: Yeah, Rose, so it it was a great honor, I will tell you that. Um, uh, As you know, I got to talk to President-elect on election night and tell him that he had won Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and was going to be the next president of the United States. And then this afternoon, after the electors, Lawrence and his fellow electors, voted, I got to tally those electoral votes. And and what what you didn't hear there, Rose, was the following. Thank you, Mr. President. It was my pleasure to announce to you and the members of the college that the tellers agree in their count, the electors of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania have cast 20 votes for the Honorable Donald J. Trump for President of the United States, and 20 votes for the Honorable Michael R. Pence for Vice President of the United States.
1: I just got chills.
2: The booing... Was so loud from the, the gallery and the protesters that.
1: Uh, that was drowned it
2: kind of, out. It kind of drowned me out a little bit.
1: Oh, what a shame. But, well, what a, what a historic moment for you to be part of. I, honestly, Lawrence, did you feel the same way? Lawrence, you are an elector, is that right, in the state of PA? That's
5: right. I was one of the electors. I also served as a parliamentarian. It was an extremely historic moment. It, uh, it's really today was election day. And it was just an honor and privilege to be there. And I did feel bad for David because they would not let him get those words out. But we all knew what it was, and uh, we were all proud uh, for the election of Donald Trump
1: today. Well, he got those words out today on the Sean Hannity Show, so there. (laughs) I'm really glad you had that opportunity. You know, Lawrence, you told me earlier that you're still getting phone calls from people trying—
5: I'm getting, Rose, I've, I've, since it's over, I've been getting phone calls. In fact, it's about two minutes ago before I spoke to you now. I got calls. I'm getting emails still. Um, they just don't stop. Yesterday, uh, a woman came to my apartment building and tried to get in. Oh, my God. Uh, to see me as well. And, uh, but here it is. The electoral college has met. It's done. It's official. And they're still trying to get me to switch my vote, but. There's no give back, no no returns. This is not like a Christmas uh, layaway program.
1: Right, we're going forward, baby. It's done. She lost over and over and over again. This is a complete embarrassment. David Urban, you've been around a long time, my friend, in politics. Have you ever seen anything like this?
2: No, no, Rosa. You know, it's kind of a shame that Lawrence points out, um, you know, the past several election cycles weren't very favorable for the Republican Party, yet I don't believe anyone sat in the balcony of the General Assembly in Pennsylvania and shouted down the, uh, the head teller for, you know, then President-elect Obama. So it was a little bit, you know, it's uh, a little bit of sour grapes on their part, but, uh, we are, we're going to show, we are going to make America great again. Um, the President-elect putting together an awesome team, um, some of the best, brightest, most qualified people in America. And, uh, and I think, uh, after a few short months, people are going to start seeing Some really, uh, really amazing results.
1: Oh, I agree with you 100 percent. And that's what they're so afraid of. You know, there should have never been an effort, guys, to delay this process. I mean, they're undermining the system. It's a constitutional election. The process is constitutional. They were trying to delegitimize this presidency. And they, they, they were ignoring the will of the people. I mean the people voted in this election and we had the results and thankfully we will we will move forward with a Trump administration but this was just really this was an outrage it was it was just so embarrassing
2: And Rose, well, like Rose I, I agree before, you, see it, you see it with, with the, uh you know the alleged russian hacking you know um of uh of of the the, uh, the DNC and of the Clinton um the infamous Clinton server and, and all those things trying to trying to somehow Say that the uh, that the president elect is not really the president elect, and it's just a bunch of malarkey.
1: Oh yeah, and just suggest that the Russian hacking had anything at all to do with Hillary's defeat is simply insane. Zero. She's responsible for her own defeat, and there should have never been a delay in this progress. There should have been no undermining of the system, and and, and that's what really upsets me. It's her fault she lost. No one else's fault. Lawrence, you were going to comment. Go ahead.
5: And also, because the point is that. Uh, Uh, President-elect Trump is going to improve this country for everybody, including those who voted against him, who tried to delay the process, who were out there protesting today, those who were trying to drown out David Urban today. He's going to make America better for them, too. That's the sad thing, is that this is a president who's not just going to work for the special interest groups that vote for him. He's helping everybody. So there was no basis in the law, and we had a lot of very good, honorable judges, both Democrat, and Republican, and Independent, who saw it our way. And the fourth election for Donald Trump occurred today, and he won all four.
1: That's exactly right, my friend. And David, let me tell you something. First, I want you to explain to us what it means to be a head teller, what that means, because you know what? Many of us have never given much thought to the electoral process. I mean, we've gone, we voted for a president and it, it all happened without us even paying any attention whatsoever to the process. This year it's completely different. So I want you to explain that to us. But, and then after that, before we go, David, I want you once again to say on the Sean Hannity show, what you should have said without interruption in <laughs> Pennsylvania, in Harrisburg. Okay. Sure. Go ahead, hit it, babe. So, so, Tell us what it does it mean to yeah. be a head teller.
2: So, so, so as, as, uh, as you alluded to, Lawrence and, and 19 others were uh, the members of the Electoral College from Pennsylvania. Um, they um, went to the General Assembly uh, body this afternoon at noon as prescribed and they met and they voted. Um, they cast their votes. They cast their ballots for president and vice president. And my job as head teller was to to tally those votes, to certify those votes with the other tellers, and then to read the results. And, uh, and Rose, I can tell you that 20 out of 20 uh, Electoral College members in Pennsylvania cast their votes for Donald J. Trump, and 20 out of 20 cast their ballots for Michael R. Pence. And so what I had to say after we certified that was the following again. Thank you, Mr. President. It's my pleasure to announce to you to the member of the college, do the tellers' agree in their count. The electors of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania have cast 20 votes for the Honorable Donald J. Chung for President of the United States and 20 votes for the Honorable Michael R. Pence for Vice President of the United States. It was, uh you know, a, a smattering of clapping, cheering, and... Uh, and, and booing there from the protesters. But it was a, an unbelievable feeling, Rose, just un, un, unbelievable and a great honor.
1: I'm so proud of both of you. I really am. And I want to tell each of you, David, to you, the work that you did in Pennsylvania. It was an honor for me to work with you oh, Rose, in southwestern you know,
2: PA. Just to your, to your listeners, Rose, uh, Rose Tennant played no small part as, as well, in the election was there by our side um, at rallies, at uh, at office openings, and uh, was tireless, was a tireless advocate for the president-elect. I will tell you, on a, on a personal level, when she wasn't on the radio, she was out there. Um, she, was, she was not just talking the talk, but Rose Tennant walks the walk, I tell you. Oh, my You gosh. can tell your listeners that.
1: That is so sweet of you to say. And listen, as soon as I heard, David, that you were going to be part of the Trump team, I called you, I think, the next day. Yep, no, and yep, I was I sure so is. thrilled. And honestly, David... It was an honor to work with you. You did an outstanding well, job. What you did in the state of Pennsylvania, it was, I mean, it hasn't been done since 1988. You, well, sir, had like, everything to do with that. a little
2: credit that should be given to the guy at the top of the ticket.
1: Yeah, I guess so, right? <laughs> <laughs> he made it easy for the rest of us. I'll say that for sure. <laughs> and Lawrence and, and, and David, I'm sure you'll agree with me when I say this. Lawrence Tabus, thank you for what you did. You served as counsel when they were going through the entire recount process in the state of Pennsylvania. You've handled that beautifully, uh, professionally, and I am very, very proud and honored to know you as well.
2: Well, well thank you, well, Rose. Let me brag on Lawrence again there, because Lawrence is a humble, humble guy, but, but uh, he's the best lawyer, and uh, I will tell your listeners, Rose and you, that uh, the Commonwealth and the president-elect, lucky to have Lawrence Tabus serving the role that he did and all throughout the campaign, and then just most recently beating back this bogus Jill Stein oh, uh, recount claim. So, Lawrence, it, it, America owes a debt of gratitude to Lawrence Tavis as well.
1: We do indeed. With Pennsylvania well, was a, an interesting state, was it not? Lawrence, the last words.
5: Yeah, I'll just say, uh, Rose, I'll second that emotion uh, that David said about you. You got the message out on Donald Trump early. David was great to work with. Yes. He used military precision.
1: Mm-hmm. We he
5: all worked uh,
1: in line. <laughs> we really did. He was like he was like my boss, even though he wasn't. He was like, yes, sir. Yes, David. Yes. A <laughs> yeah. couple of times I screwed up, but okay, I'll get right back in line, David. <laughs> it was fun working with both well, of it you. Was my
2: pleasure. My pleasure working with both of you. Uh, you know what, guys? Thank
1: God you. bless you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your determination and your consistency throughout the entire election process. We all give you just a nod of of thanks and gratitude. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for joining me.
2: Rose, my pleasure to be with you, and thanks for all you do.
1: Thanks, babe. Thank you. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. Hey, we're back. This is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. I'll be sitting in for him today, as you can tell. My Facebook is Rose Unplugged. My Twitter is at Rose underscore unplugged. And I do a daily talk show, Monday through Friday, of course, 8 until 10 out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it is a syndicated show called, guess what, Rose Unplugged. All right, we want to have fun today, but we also do want to take a few moments out of each hour and just talk about what happened in Berlin. And the incident in Berlin is not unlike what happened in July in the city of Nice, where that cargo truck deliberately drove into a large crowd of people. Thousands of people were there attending the fireworks show. And they were, they were celebrating their, France's National Day. And 86 people were killed that day in that attack. 300 others were injured. It was the worst attack since the Paris attacks in November 2015. And that attack was carried out on behalf of ISIS. So now, today, in Germany, in Berlin, we see something similar. I mean, they choose these days with deliberation. The they, they know exactly what they're doing. They have a strategy. In eight years, we have not. They have a strategy. And thank God that Mr. Trump will be occupying the White House with his own strategy. And I trust that. I believe that will be the case, particularly when we consider who he has to nominate to positions where national security, where security at home is concerned. I have confidence going forward. I had none In the last eight years. Linda, I was wondering if you could give me an update on what's going on in Berlin right now. Yeah,
7: you got it, Rose. So basically, we're still at nine dead, 50 over 50 injured. Uh, What we do know now is that German security sources are confirming that the incident is now being investigated as an act of terrorism. Additionally, what we know is that the truck that was used, the lorry, as they call it there, was registered to a Polish driver. Um, some of the family members have spoken out saying that they don't know that this driver was affiliated in any way. But it did leave Poland earlier this afternoon and it lost uh, 4 p.m. local time contact with the uh, with the delivery company that it was associated with. Um, the mayor, they saying that this is very dramatic and traumatic. They're asking people to stay indoors, but they are saying at this time that they don't think there are any more imminent threats um, happening. And they don't they they hope that there won't be any more attacks this evening. But uh, the last important part is that the uh the attacker has been found oh, and he has been brought into custody. He obviously had an accomplice. There were two attackers. The oh. second accomplice has died. Uh, they are not specifying how he died or in what fashion or form, but we do know that one is in custody and one is dead. Uh, nine victims dead and fifty plus injured. Oh my God! So we'll keep you
1: uh, we'll keep you abreast on this. Thank you, Linda. I mean, it's so sad any time to hear these stories, but when it's around the holiday season where we're celebrating life. We're celebrating restoration. We're celebrating, you know, so many positive things and we see something like this happen and it just it breaks our hearts. And I just ask that all of you would keep those people in prayer, the families in prayer, and also, you know, as we go through this holiday season, be grateful for the protection that we have, but also be ever mindful that at any time, you know, something like this could happen anywhere. And and, and again, that makes me just so thrilled to know that Hillary Clinton will not be in the White House. I mean, I can't say that enough. I'm so pleased to know that we have someone who will have our backs, who understand who it is that's behind all of this. Listen, the call-in number is eight hundred nine four one. Sean, My Facebook is Rose Unplugged. My Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. Coming up next is my dear, dear friend, Jeffrey Lord. I love him. I really do. And he'll be with us very soon. So don't go away. We'll be back with so much more, too, coming up in the program. I'm
5: to this show one time, and you're hanitized. Sean Hannity is back on the radio.
4: The audience, I didn't know he was here. Jeffrey Lord, oh, he fights so hard.
9: Oh, that Jeffrey. It's so unfair. They stack up seven to one, but he handles it. CNN, they stack it up against him. They stack it. They are not happy with the results of this election, and it was a stampede.
1: Hey, there he is, President-elect Donald Trump, talking about our buddy Jeffrey Lord. My name is Rose. I'm sitting in for Sean Hannity today. My Facebook is Rose Unplugged. Twitter is at Rose underscore unplugged. We'll still try to take your phone calls, 800-941-SEAN. Joining me this afternoon is the former associate political director in the Reagan administration, columnist and author of the book, What America Needs, The Case for Trump. And boy, did he make a hell of a case for Trump. Uh, he also got a personal shout out from the president in Hershey, PA. My friend Jeffrey Lord, how are you, Jeffrey?
4: Hello, Rose. Hello, how darling. How are you? I'm good. What I'm a, saying... <laughs> uh, What a great day in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I was listening to uh, he talked to our friend David Urban, and uh, I've since caught up with the video of it. And and uh, wow, he did yeah. a great job.
1: He really did. And uh, Lawrence Tabus was on with me, and Lawrence, as you know, played a big yeah. part in the recount in Pennsylvania. Serving as legal counsel to Pence and uh, Donald Trump. So, yeah, you know, it seemed to be all about PA today. But let's be honest, Pennsylvania played a huge part in this election process. And there's much to talk about where Pennsylvania is concerned. And so it's been pretty exciting. We have uh, the latest Electoral College results. Um, It's so far it's 256 uh, and to 139. So. 256 Donald Trump 139 Hillary there was another faithless elector but this was a surprise one this elector switched from Clinton to her primary challenger Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders so we had that (laughs) happen that was kind of a surprise wasn't it
4: yeah yeah I I think that's uh, somewhat humorous after all of this attention uh Maybe Martin Sheen had more of an effect than
1: he knew. Yes, exactly. You know, and Jeffrey, you were on my show a couple of days ago, and we talked about a recent article that you had in The American Spectator. And I have to tell you, if I hear the words one more time, voter suppression, vote suppression, if I ever hear that again, I'm going to scream. I mean it because we have electors who have been harassed and threatened. And that, to me, is voter suppression. But you had a story not too long ago on the real suppression, on what we really need to be concerned about. If you want to talk about uh, issues with voting, there are some real issues and real concerns that we haven't even focused on at all in this country.
4: Well, that's right. And uh, the point that I was making is that it was a uh, a letter to, uh, as it were, to Senator McCain, who, who wants to have an investigation into the Russian hacking. And my point was, well, that's fine. That's foreign influence uh, in an election, if that's the case. But there's also, uh, we have uh, over the years had plenty of reports of illegal immigrants voting, of um, non-citizens uh, of the United States voting in American elections. The U.S. Government Accountability Office identified a number of them back as far back as 2005. Right. So my point is, if, if these folks want to investigate it, Let's let her rip. Let's get the whole thing out there and see how many people in this country are voting who have no right to vote.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, let's talk about that because it really is an issue. When we go forward, Jeffrey, I think that each state is going to have to take a really close look at how the elections are done because not how they're done so much as how the voting process works because i know in pennsylvania we've had issues in the past we are fabled in story and song where voter fraud is concerned and i think that before the next midterm election because you know the democrats are going to try again to pull everything out of their hat that they can we've seen it here i mean hillary had to lose not once not twice but four times you know, when you consider all, you know, everything that we have all been put through, Pennsylvania being one of those states where, where they wanted a recount, they demanded a recount, where Podesta wasn't going to, you know, give it up that night of the election. And we've got the Russian hacking now. I mean, she just keeps losing and losing. But I'll tell you something, as determined as they were through this process to delegitimize our president-elect, they are going to be even more determined going into that midterm election because that's going to be very important for them. And I have great concerns about what's going to happen. And I think each state needs to take a real close look and make sure that they have safeguarded as much as they can against fraud in the future.
4: Well, that's right. Uh, I, I had a chance the other day to talk to a former state senator from Philadelphia, a Republican. And what was interesting was that when he ran for the state senate, Uh, A number of years ago, he lost the race to the Democrat. The Democrat was seated and they discovered massive voter fraud in that state Senate race. And it was so bad and so obvious that a federal judge threw out the election and and, uh, had the Democrat unseated and sat the Republican guy because uh, he, in fact, had actually won the election. Hmm. Uh, That's what this the kind of thing that you really got to worry about here Um, in every election. And they just, every state government, and it is the state government that's got to be in control of this.
7: That's right. Is
4: make make sure that this process is correct. I mean, and I'll say the same thing that I said before the election. When I vote in East Pennsboro Township in Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, I touch a screen. There's no confirmation to me that because I touched the name of Candidate X, in this case Donald Trump, that the vote actually went to Donald Trump. You know, in the day and age of paper ballots, there was a paper ballot.
1: That's right. There was proof. Uh, yes. So
4: I, I would just hope, I mean, I don't think there was anything amiss, uh, but I do think that, you know, the, the possibility is always there, and I think they've got to get a grip on this.
1: Yeah, I really, I agree with you. I, I think that we all, you know, need to encourage our state chairs to take a, a really serious and very close look at at each each state needs to do this and I and I am concerned about the next next election the mid midterm it, only in terms of what they might try to pull off you know these people well, who are they're not know, go ahead
4: I think it's I think it's very important to note that this protest today like uh, was there in Harrisburg today when the electors voted and I'm sure was around the country in different state capitals. This attitude is going to go on for forever here. They, As long as Donald Trump is president, they are going to try and disrupt. I mean, you know, the next obvious big target is the inauguration. Right. And uh, I saw my sparring partner from CNN, uh, former Clinton Secretary of Labor, Robert Reich, uh, proposing that because the Trump inaugural hasn't, not yet announced a slate of entertainers or they're supposedly having difficulty getting entertainers for some of these inaugural concerts, that uh, they have a, a quote-unquote freedom concert uh, for the inaugural sponsored by, you know, that features people like liberals, like Bruce Springsteen and Madonna and uh, Jay-Z and oh, all brother. That sort of thing, as, as a counter to uh, the Trump inaugural. So this is just going to go on. It's going to be a thing that he proposes that is not going to be protested.
1: Yeah, so, it really is. You know, and we
4: have to be ready for this every single day.
1: We do. I, I, I'm telling you, I mean, the moment I heard that he was renting that, what is it, a, a 9 or 10-bedroom mansion in Washington, D.C., I think it's a 7, I don't know how many bedrooms. It's got a lot of bedrooms, all right? I know this. It can accommodate up to 10 cars. I don't know what the hell is going to be going on there every day, but I will say this, that this guy is never going to allow Trump to get away with anything. Obama will be standing by to comment on, to criticize and scrutinize every single thing that Donald Trump does every single day of the next four years. And I I for I mean, I have never we've never seen anything. I mean, look, you know, political history. When was the last time you saw a president? You know, not only do that, stay in town, and and you know that he's going to act as a spokesperson for the DNC and for the for the party. But in addition to that, that he would be out there right now during this transition time, with less than a month to go or about a month to go before Obama or Trump takes the Oval Office, and he's out there disparaging him. His wife is out there right. disparaging him. Has this ever happened before?
4: The, the last president that I uh, recall, not in our lifetime, uh, historically staying in Washington after he was after he left office with Woodrow Wilson in nineteen twenty one. Wow but it was a whole different ball of wax. Wilson, you know, had, had a stroke at the latter, the end of his towards the end of his term. He was not a well man. Uh, he was by no stretch of the imagination into actively protesting or, or plotting strategy against his successor, Warren Harding. Uh, that just was not you know, it wasn't done. So this would be a first in, this, in matters of this sort. And, uh, you know, the good thing, I remember interviewing Donald Trump in 2014, and I said to him that one of the problems so many grassroots conservatives had with Republican nominees was that they didn't fight. And he said, oh, no, 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 he said, believe me, if I, if I run for this and I get nominated, I will fight. Well, of course, we now know he has. That's exactly what he did. That's why he's there. Right. I would suspect that he would not be uh, staying quiet if, if uh, Obama is going to come after him. I don't think he'll just sit there.
1: Oh, I agree with you 100%. I don't think so thankfully. either. Yeah, thankfully is right. And then when we consider what happened in Berlin and we and when we consider what we might have had in the White House, a woman who can't identify our enemies, a woman who had no strategy, and this, uh, this administration had no strategy at all, in terms of fighting our enemy, I, I just I shudder to think how it might have played out. But I do go in to the next four years with a, a, a with certain amount of confidence.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's an article at the American Spectator today, as a matter of fact, by a former uh, Defense Department official, Jed Babbitt. And he talks about uh, Obama's dealings with Russia on this and how uh, he said back in September when he was actually on site with Vladimir Putin, that, well, there was no sense getting into the cyber version of uh, warfare over this. This just wasn't going to be done. And now he, his account of that same meeting is that he really gave it to Putin. and <laughs> wow. told him, you know, they were going to take action. And and the point is is that Putin has nothing but contempt for him. I mean, you know, the whole red line in Syria thing, I mean, people all around the world were watching this
2: he was weak. Yeah, I mean, they,
1: Yes, you're right. And let's so, talk about this. And the way they feel about Hillary Clinton, how would it have been much better with Hillary Clinton in well, office? That's
2: right.
4: That's absolutely right. I mean, and for her to say it's all for Vladimir Putin because he didn't like her, she's the one who was the architect of the so-called Russian recess. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, well,
1: not let's not forget about clear. that. I
4: mean, I, I do think that Vladimir Putin is a thug. And hence, I think he had no respect. For these people, because they led with weakness, and as uh, uh, Jed Babbitt points out, you know, Don Rumsfeld always used to say that that weakness is provocative. That is correct.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. That is correct. I just saw too come across that uh, it looks as though Trump will cross that 270 electoral vote threshold. So um, good news there, but we I don't think any of us expected it to be any different than that, really. But I have no, to say, no. but I have to say, Jeffrey, I these people. And, and this and, and I'll ask you this too about mr. Trump because you you know him you you've had various opportunities to speak with him uh, to one degree or another when I consider the the courage of those elector that ele- the electoral college when I consider how brave they were when I consider how they withstood the threats that they were receiving the threats their families were receiving where people were actually showing up at their homes. Following it's them in right. their cars. And I think, you know what? You know,
4: when I when I went to this rally on Thurs- Thursday night in Hershey, I met one of the electors was there. And she came up to, to introduce herself. She was a sheriff. And she pulled out her iPhone and showed me she had
1: got something like six to 10,000 emails oh my God. that day alone. Oh, my God. That poor thing. Oh, my God. Exactly. You know what? Here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. So many people have endured much to support him. Case in point, the electors being the latest group of supporters who have been harassed and some of them receiving threats, and many who were supporting him all throughout his campaign. I would, be- I believe, and I hope I'm right, that Mr. Trump will keep that in mind, those people who suffered and endured much to remain faithful to him. And I do believe that he will remain faithful to them and to all of us. I, I pray that he will. And-, and there's a part of me that truly believes he will.
4: I, I, I'm sure he will, Rose. I'm sure he will. And, uh, you know, it's been... The thing that you have to worry about, and I've written about this in the past, is that violence is in the DNA of, of the American left. This is who they are. Yes. And so, throughout American history, and whether it was labor riots in the, in the late 1800s or early 1900s, or Vietnam, or, or this, uh, you, you know, or the Ku Klux Klan, which, of course, were progressives under those white hoods Uh, they that is always their first go-to if they don't like something is to hit the streets and get violent and uh you know it's something that we have to guard against all of the time
1: this is everything they accused uh, trump supporters of and worse all throughout the election thank you so much jeffrey lord for joining us today merry christmas my friend thank you rose good to have you on this is The Sean Hannity Show. I am Rose sitting in for him. My Facebook is Rose Unplugged. Twitter is at Rose underscore unplugged. Don't go away. We still have lots, lots more for you coming up on the program. And we're back. This is The Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. My Facebook is Rose Unplugged. And Twitter is at Rose underscore unplugged. So when you go to Facebook, like me, please. It's a pleasure and an honor to sit in for Sean Hannity. I'm going to take your phone calls in just a minute. Also, a reminder that we are still monitoring what happened in Berlin. We just ask that you continue to keep those people in your prayers. You know, there is a uh, there's a song that's always been my favorite at this time of year. I-, I loved it. I think it's so damn sexy. I just, I love it. Take a listen. You know it, too. It's Lesser's song, Baby, It's Cold Outside.
6: I really.
8: But
5: baby is cold outside.
6: I've got to go baby is cold
5: outside. This evening is hoping that you so
0: dropping very in. nice.
5: I'll hold your hands. They're just like my mother hand. will start.
1: I just love that song. It's so sexy, right? I mean it's a duet. It was made famous by Frank Lesser in 1944. And this guy is trying to persuade this woman to stay the night. Honestly, he makes such a passionate plea that if he were singing it to me, I'd stay. I mean, I would totally stay for that, okay? Sexy as hell. It's one of my favorite songs of the season. I know that sounds kind of weird. It's a Christmas song, but whatever. I love it, okay? So now, now, (laughs) there's a couple from Minneapolis who have remade this song, if you can believe it, with the intent to drive home the importance— Are you ready for this? Consent. They are very concerned that this song done in 1944 was about date rape. I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding you. So this stupid couple who have way too much time on their hands, they probably need to start having sex together or something. I don't know. Maybe that will. They've got an issue here. There's something that's lacking in this relationship, okay? And he's lacking something, too, if you know what I'm talking about. He's not getting anything from her, but I digress. Okay, so let's get back to the story. So this couple, Lydia Liza and Josiah Lemansky, dating each other, both hated this song so much that they've decided to remake the song. Now, they say that they've always had a big problem with the song. It's so aggressive and inappropriate. These people are like in their early 20s, right? And they started thinking that the song had this open-ended question like you never figure out if she gets to go home what you think he's going to tie her up and keep her there and by the way it's a song it's not real okay it's a song she's safe because it's not real okay all right she's okay don't worry about it so here is the ridiculous emasculated version of that song that this couple that needs to start having more sex or something or better sex needs to that they made okay take a listen to it
7: Baby,
8: I'm fine with that.
9: I've got to go away.
2: Baby, I'm cool with that. This evening has been hoping you'd get home safe. I'm glad you had a real good time. Call her so she knows that you're
6: coming.
8: Better get your caller home. Which one are you pulling towards? You? I want to throw up. Stop that. Stop the
1: music. Stop it. Okay. This dude is so strange. I mean, if I'm that woman, I'd be trying to get out of there too. And if he's that guy, oh, my. Seriously, people? This is what people who don't have anything better to do sit around and think up. Honest to God, it's insane. It really is. I'm going to take a call from Jason, who's calling from Pennsylvania. Good afternoon, Jason. How are you?
6: Hi, how are you? Good. Oh, it's so great to talk to you. Um, I am very happy, very, very happy today. Um, I'm a truck driver, but I'll just get right to the point. Uh, it's the holidays. Um, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of angry people. There has been a lot of angry people. What everyone must realize and everyone who's listening is that even though we're angry and, and, and upset about how the left and um, sort of the sore losers in this country have been treating the fact that our hero... Uh, the person, Donald Trump, who is going to change his co- country um, at, at the same time, we have to also realize that these people were, were duped for eight years, right. told that everything was going to be free. And they, they believed always it. Going, and they yep. got it, lock, stock, and barrel. And all I'm going to say is this. When this economy, and I believe this economy is going to take off. I'm a truck driver of 10 years. I haul over 8 million pounds of food a year.
1: Good for you. When thank this, you. Yep,
6: thank you. I, lo- I love truck drivers. But when this, when this economy takes off, we do need to realize one thing. If we can get to these people, the people who, you know, are, are down and out and, and have no hope, because now Michelle Obama is telling them that we've lost all hope, if we can get inside of their heads and let them see what happens when, True capitalism takes charge in this country, and the ideas of what 's behind being an American, which is productivity and, and and having hopes and dreams within our own abilities within our own hearts and our you know our how we care about everybody, if we can bring everybody and unite to get everybody together in that type of idealism as opposed to the socialistic mind state, we will never I believe truly we will we may very well be able to conquer this this idea. That the greater good uh, through the collective could be completely eradicated forever. And everyone in these cities who are hurting and who are sad and who are hungry can see just what happens when we become, um, I guess,
1: captains of our own destiny. (laughs) Right. I mean, because that's what he said. He said in one of his speeches that we will be the captains. Americans will once again be the captains of their own destiny. He said that we have a lot of challenges and that it's an exciting time to be alive. He said there's been no other time like it. And he's right about that. But what I love is he said the script is not yet written. We know not yet what the next page will read, but I'll tell you, it's going to be a great page. And he said that those pages will be authored by you, Jason, and by me. We will author those pages of the script that's yet to be written. Each one of us, he said, Americans will be captains of their own destiny once again. People believe that. And I believe even people that did not vote for him— People like the workers at Carrier who were disparaging their co-worker because he supported Trump throughout the election. But suddenly when Trump showed up and saved a thousand jobs and was speaking to them at Carrier's location, they were suddenly in the crowd yelling, Trump, Trump, Trump. I believe there will be many more people who will begin to yell Trump, Trump, Trump in the coming days because they will see the changes that someone like Trump can bring when you allow the people of this great country to be in charge of their own destiny, once again, without regulation, without all the red ink, I mean, the red tape. This, this, he has given us all, Jason, thanks for your call, so much hope again. We, he really has. Because look, if you take a look at the current state of our nation, it is clear that we, we bear the scars of neglect, many, many years of neglect And those very people that had been charged with the preservation and protection of our Constitution have failed us. There's no doubt about it. And those people in D.C., so many of them care more about their status and their payoffs than they care about representing you and me, Jason, and the rest of us. And they care very little, it seems, about safeguarding our Constitution. There's no doubt about it. Government is an industry. It's become one anyway. And with all industries, it has its own special interests. And just like industry, they have a desire for growth, the government. The government has a a desire for increased power. And they have a desire for more influence. But unlike industries in the private sector, the government does not produce wealth. So it has to take wealth by force from you and from me. And it does this through taxes and regulations, asset forfeitures. And then it redistributes that wealth. And when they redistribute the wealth, it's with the purpose of political outcome. Not for beneficial economic outcomes, but for political outcomes. And and that's why Jason and the rest of us out here are encouraged. Because when you think about it, what are the organizing principles of our constitutional republic? Think about it. Church, family, community, and in that order— The only thing that stands in the way of government becoming the organizing principle of society and culture, because believe you me, they have made every attempt to be so, but the only thing standing in the way is our Constitution. That is why progressives hate it and why they seek every way possible around that Constitution. While they are seeking every way around that Constitution, we on the right— we who, who, who voted for Donald Trump, we are seeking ways to preserve and protect that Constitution. And guess who won? Guess who's winning? And guess who's really ticked off about it? And they make every effort to, to just throw a wrench in it to delegitimize this president-elect. It's not working, though, is it? And I guarantee you, and Jason is right, and I guarantee you this. That as time goes on, more and more people will jump on that Trump train, if you will, that never, ever, if ever expected to get on that train. You know, it's interesting. Michael Goodwin had a story uh, in the New York Post. I'm just going to read a little bit from it because you can go check it out yourself. It's an amazing—it really is very well written. written. But Michael Goodwin says this. So this is how it ends. In a whimper wrapped in self-pity— uh, And with President Obama on the defensive at his final press conference, and and he's right about this, and Hillary Clinton's last campaign event resembling a wake, because if if you heard about it, they said there was just a whole bunch of people standing around looking like they were at a funeral while a band played, okay? The Democratic Party is limping off the stage and into the political winter. And Goodwin went on to say, but a funny thing happened on the way to one-party dominance, The people who work for a living said no, hell no. Their revolt brings Donald Trump to the White House amid hopes of a revival of the economy and of the American spirit. And that was part of Donald Trump's speech. The American spirit. He is, he is, he's setting it on fire again. He's reminding us what it is that made America great in the first place. And how, as Donald Trump has said, America can be great again. You know, and I said earlier today that we are seeing something that we haven't seen in eight years. A man that simply loves this country and believes in the greatness of this country. A man who makes no apologies for America's exceptionalism. Because we are exceptional. You're damn right we are. And I'll tell you this. There's not going to be an apology tour once he gets in. You remember that, don't you? Obama went around the world apologizing for America. No, we're not going to see that. So, yeah, we're encouraged. You know, someone said to me once, I can't remember who it was. It was a guest I had on my program, and he said, Rose, it's like you do a focus group every day because I knew, I knew that Donald Trump was going to win. I told his son, Eric, on three different occasions when he was in PA, we've got Pennsylvania for you. We really do. I even told Mr. Trump that himself. It, and, and, and what I was seeing, it wasn't anecdotal, not in any way. There were Democrats that were listening to my radio show that I've been doing for 20 years. I'd never had Democrats listening to my show, and certainly not in the numbers that I was receiving them, that they were tuning in during this political season. I had Bernie Sanders supporters who had nowhere else to go, and they started listening to the show. And then I, I take the same route to work every single day that I have for 20 years. And those homes that had Obama signs up both times had Trump signs up. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. This is very interesting. So all of this may seem anecdotal, but when you put it all together and the fact that talk radio hosts basically do perform focus groups every single day, we saw what was happening. We understood what was happening. Hillary Clinton never had a clue. She never had a message. She never had a clue. Michael Goodwin went on to say in the New York Post, instead of analyzing what went wrong and trying to find new organizing principles, party leaders and activists are pointing fingers at the FBI and Russia and engaging in a mad bid to overturn Trump's Electoral College victory. Because they are doomed to fail, we could be witnessing the death throes of the Democratic Party as we know it. If you get a chance, read the whole story. I would encourage you to do so. It's at the New York Post. Michael Goodwin, but he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. They want to point the finger at everything else. They want to blame everyone and everything they can think of. They will do anything they can to delegitimize this presidency, but I don't think they're going to be successful, not ever, not once in the next four years. And even with Obama camping out right outside the White House, I do not believe they will be successful because people will begin to have that hope that Jason talked about. People will begin to go back to work. I'm looking forward to the next four years and hopefully the next date. You're listening to The Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. You can check me out on Facebook. Like me while you're there, Rose Unplugged. At Twitter, it's at Rose underscore unplugged. Joining me right now is the founder and poster of McLaughlin and Associates. And we're, he's here to go over this crazy push from the left against the Electoral College. Didn't work. Didn't work just like the rest of their attempts didn't work. So Hillary has lost over and over and over again. Welcome to the show, Jim McLaughlin. Hey Jim, how you doing?
8: Thank you and Merry Christmas, Rose.
1: Merry Christmas to you too. And we're, I'm in New York City and I'm loving this at Christmas time. It's like one of my favorite places to visit at this time of the year.
8: No question about it. You know we're actually based out of New York, and you're right. This is the best time of the year in New York, just as long as it doesn't get too cold.
1: Well, I think it's too cold already. Today <laughs> it was pretty darn cold. It's freezing. It really is cold. Hey, listen, let's let's talk. I mean, it's, it, we're done. We're basically done here. It's all over. There was nothing to see. Everybody can go home, right?
8: Yep. I, you know what? It's, it's another example of how the media got it wrong when it yes. came to Donald Trump. I mean, they were just flat out wrong. They were trying to create this um, narrative that somehow the people were gonna, you know, that were committed to Donald Trump, that were gonna vote against them. And I think you were talking about it before. It's just another example of how the left and how their friends in the media are trying to delegitimize the uh, Trump presidency. And I gotta be honest with you, I think in a lot of ways this is really backfiring on them. And I think it's backfiring them. In middle class America, in mainstream America, in those very same states that Donald Trump wanted, you know, places like Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan, et cetera. It's it's just utter nonsense.
1: Jim, that's an excellent point, too, because when you think about it, I mean, the left wants you to believe that Russia is now the reason why she yeah. lost, you know, before it was James Comey and. You know, but it's really Russia, and and then you think about it, and you're so right because those very states that he did well in are the states that she completely ignored—Middle America.
8: Yep, you're, you're you're exactly right. And remember what they were saying right after the election when they were attacking Kellyanne, and they were saying, "Oh, you ran a racist campaign. That's why you won." I mean, come on, America elected Barack Obama, the first African American president, twice, and you're trying to say it's racism?
1: Yeah, come on now, and really. Again,
8: I think that what they found out it was backfiring on again then then the my, the funniest one though is when the uh, Clintons are trying to say that it's the press's fault, and that's why that's why she lost
1: <laughs> well, I got, yeah really really i'd hate to see if they weren't on her side. what would have happened exactly but, and,
8: and the great part was we did a national survey um a post elect survey about the, uh, among the people who actually voted, and by a three to one margin. They sat there and told you that the press was biased against Donald Trump by a 3 to 1 margin. Actually, there were a lot of Hillary Clinton voters that even said, "Yeah, the press was biased well, against." Well, they Donald had to Trump. be,
1: right? If only 1 in 4 trust the media or didn't believe that he was that they were biased against Trump.
8: Exactly. I right. thought
1: that was astounding. I remember seeing those numbers and just uh, because you're right, it has to be some Hillary supporters. Look, the American people are not stupid. Yep. And while they may have still voted for Hillary, which suggests that they might be a little stupid, but while they may have still voted for Hillary, they knew that a lot of what they were hearing and being spoon-fed by the media was not necessarily true. They yep. knew. And, they understood.
8: And and you know what? They're saying it's racism and it's the press's fault and it's Comey's fault and now it's the Russians all of a sudden did it. You know why Hillary Clinton lost? She lost because two thirds of the country said the country was going off on the wrong track under her leadership and Barack Obama's leadership. And then on the three most important issues of the day, according to our post election survey donald trump had significant advantages on those issues on the economy he had an eight-point advantage over hillary clinton on the economy and jobs on national security and terrorism he had a six-point advantage and on that big issue of the day bringing change and reform to washington dc he had a fifteen-point advantage And you know this is the thing and it just goes to show you again how the press and how the democrats are so out of touch the reason they lost this election was because they were wrong on the issues. And and, and some of the smarter Democrats are saying, well, we had a messaging problem. Well, um, it's yeah. not just the message. Uh, yeah, right. it's, the, it's the policies. The policies failed. They failed on terrorism. They failed on national security. They failed on immigration. And they failed on the economy and jobs. And that's why, by the way, you're already seeing, even before he's taken office, Donald Trump's having success. He's he's already created and saved you know probably more jobs than Barack Obama at this point, and he's not even the president yet.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, it's so impressive and exciting to watch what's been going on even during this transition period. And one of the things I wanted to touch on too that you just mentioned when you think about how the left was making every attempt possible to ignore the will of the people, 130 million people. Uh, Supposedly, followed the election, right? Maybe some more than others, but yep. 130 million people voted in this election, and they had to have known or heard at one point or another about the DNC email ha- hack. And yep. uh, and if they hadn't, shame on them. But I-, I mean, it's not as though they were living, you know, some in some remote area and just came out to vote. So yep. so to 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 blame it all on on that, or to suggest that people didn't know enough about it, we need to really learn more about this hack. You know, going forward or before maybe, I mean, two congressmen suggested that we shouldn't even hold this Electoral College uh, vote until we've looked into it further. Anything to delay the process, anything to disrupt the process is what they were all about.
8: It's it's, it's just flat out silly. And I think some of the Democrats were remembering back to when they tried to delegitimize and discredit uh, George W. Bush back in 2000 on the whole Florida recount. And that's That's the irony. Every recount, even back then, showed George Bush winning Florida, just like the irony was, the recounts that they just held in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, when you look at it in totality, Donald Trump actually wound up getting more votes. He did. After the recounts. He and did. this whole silliness about, oh, well, you know, Donald Trump lost the, the, uh, the popular vote. And he didn't. And, you know, we should get rid of the Electoral College. That's utter nonsense. The reason why the founders did this was because they wanted to give Americans from all over the country a say in this election. And it's funny. The Democrats never had any problem about this before the election. They were talking about how they had an Electoral College, uh, a lock. Remember how they were talking about the lock? Yes.
1: Yes. You're the only person who's mentioned this. I thought I remember them warning us against the popular vote because they were afraid, based on the number of people, showing up at the rallies and so forth, that perhaps Donald Trump might win the, the popular vote. Do you remember that?
8: It's exactly right. And what they were talking about was their supposed blue wall, you know, the blue wall in places like Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And, you know, they would say, oh, there's no way Donald Trump could win those places. And you knew it. I remember listening to your show. You were talking about this months ago, how Donald Trump was going to win Pennsylvania. I did. I, I was working on the Super PAC, and this is the, the interesting part about working on the Super PAC, where we spent the most money in the last couple weeks of the campaign were North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, That's because right. our polling was telling us to go there because it was showing us on those most important issues of the day with the voters, the economy and jobs, national security, immigration, and bringing change, the voters were telling us they wanted Donald Trump on those issues. By the way, Another another issue which you saw in our post-elect survey was remember how the press was telling us you know Hillary Clinton overwhelmingly uh, won the debates, and this is in spite of the press telling us you know that she won those debates by by actually a point. Voters said they agreed with Donald Trump on the issues more in the debates than they agreed with wow. with Hillary Clinton. Even it's and again it's how you're framing the issue. The press was telling you she was winning on style. But the American people were tuning into those debates like never before, yes. and they were more likely to agree with Donald Trump on the issues.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's why a couple of times I was so angry that the debates really didn't allow for the candidates to talk much about their position on the issue on the issues and policy. And because here we had, what, record-breaking numbers watching those debates, people who had never watched debates before having the opportunity to hear – some yep. really important you know, policies and, and, and strategies and never really getting to hear it completely, but enough so that people did like what they were hearing from Donald Trump.
8: You know what? It's, it's, it's amazing. One of my big gripes with the media is right now is – and look, you've got to give – I think one of the biggest mistakes folks make is that they underestimate the intelligence of the American people. The American people were saying out there that we've got real problems. We've got real problems with the economy. We've got real problems with jobs. We've got real problems when it comes to terrorism, national security, and immigration. And they were listening. They were listening. They were watching. They were getting up on the internet. They were going on social media, and they were picking these issues and they were saying, you know what? I don't like the direction of the country right now. I don't like where Barack Obama's taken the country. And I kind of, you know, I was asked by a reporter not too long ago. You know, they said, how did you guys? How were you able to predict that Donald Trump was actually going to win? I said, what numbers made you t- made you think that Hillary Clinton was going to win in a landslide? Good question. Was it those two-thirds of the voters that said they want to change? Yeah. Was it those voters that said we have real problems with the economy and real problems with national security? They were the ones telling us that, you know what, Donald Trump was going to win this thing. And they voted, and they knew exactly what they were voting for, and that's why they voted for Donald Trump.
1: I'm telling you, Jim, you are so right. Excellent point. And, you know, sometimes I think about Donald Trump and how he he really is the only candidate or now president-elect that could have withstood – Everything that the left and the media had to throw at him, and I don't believe anyone else could have with, withstood that. And 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 going forward, having uh, Obama right there in the backyard, I don't yep. think anybody else could handle it. But Mr. Trump,
8: really, you know what? Right. And again, I think that's another mistake. I'm not in the uh, I'm not in the uh, business of giving the Democrats um, <laughs> advice. But when you look at the classy way that, you know, whether it was Ronald Reagan or the Bushes went off into the sunset after their presidencies, whether you right. agreed with them or not, they both became significantly more popular. And one of the other numbers that we consistently saw in our polls, and we saw it not just in the, in the polls, you know, for, for Donald Trump, but we saw it in the polls for our other candidates in Senate and congressional races, was that by about a 20-point margin voters wanted to move away and they want to change from barack obama's policies it was usually about a 55 to 35 margin in our polls
1: interesting
8: where they were telling you they want to change direction even though they'll tell you they like him and he wasn't a target and he got to look a little bit more presidential and his favorables went up they were telling you on the issues that mattered most to them they want to change from barack obama's policies
1: very interesting jim thanks for sharing that with us well look Hillary lost over and over and over again. And, and we have to remember, she ignored the Midwest. She had no clear message. She had a trustworthy issue, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the private server issue, Benghazi issue. And they just can't accept the outcome. And my message to them is get the hell over it. Just get the hell over it. And know, it's done. Thank God, finally.
8: And I want to make two quick points on that. Please if do. More- is hillary clinton never had the ability to connect with working-class voters especially in the way donald trump You're did. right and everybody know he was he was a wealthy man but you know what he was also speaking to to working americans And you know everybody talks about donald trump and they talk about trump tower in manhattan he's a guy that grew up in queens he was literally a city guy and yeah. and and even though you know what he grew up as a working-class guy, and that's why he was he was able to connect. The other piece of that, too, and again, I'm not in the, in, the, in the business of giving advice to the Democrats, but let me tell you something. If Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton continue to hang around and hover over this, I think it's going to really backfire on the Democrats, and I think it's a big mistake on their part. They need to create some new stars. They need to create some new messengers and they need to create some new messages if they're going to connect to those working class people in any way that the way Donald Trump did.
1: You know what? Excellent point. Really excellent points. And thank you so much for sharing a lot of the knowledge, things that I didn't even know about. I'm so glad to hear uh, you share those today on the show with me. Jim, it's it's so nice to talk to you and keep up the good work.
8: It's always a pleasure, Rose, and you're terrific.
1: Take care, darling. I think you are as well. Merry Christmas to you as well. All right, you can call in. It's 800 941 Sean I am Rose. My Facebook is Rose Unplugged. Please like me when you go there. And my Twitter is at Rose underscore unplugged. We'll be back with a little bit more right after this.
6: If you miss one day, you'll be out of the loop. Would someone
7: please tell me what is going on here?
5: This is the Sean Hannity
2: Show.
1: Ethan, Linda, thank you so much for allowing me to be part of the Sean Hannity Show today. I really appreciate that. Also, I want to mention that Ethan and Linda and Lauren, they had a lot to do, too. With They were supporters of Trump. They were very, very, very supportive, and I really appreciated having them. Can I think of another word aside from very? No, not very much. Okay. So, anyway, listen, I just want to say to all of you, Merry Christmas and happy Hanukkah. I hope you enjoyed this time off with your family, with your friends, those that you care about. It's been a pleasure to spend these these moments, these hours with you today. You know, and, and you know, when Jason called in about that speech that Trump g- gave, you know, that we are now captains of our own destiny. I swear to God, when he was giving that speech that day, I just stood up and saluted the TV. I mean, I just, I felt good about being an American and about pursuing those dreams once again. And and I felt good for the rest of the country. I really did, even for those people who didn't vote for him. Oh, and I still have more time. I'm like, okay, see you guys later. And we're praying for Germany. Keep them in in mind, those people in Berlin. Please, the the families that were there to celebrate the season. I mean, they need your prayers. My Facebook is Rose Unplugged. Please like me when you go there. And Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. God bless you. It was great being with you. It was—I had so much fun. You guys are awesome. You really are. And my book is thanking our soldiers. You can get that on Amazon. It's always available to you right there on Amazon. I hope all of you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. I really do. And I love that everybody's saying Merry Christmas today. That was kind of fun too. But I'm going to go out and look at all the lights. (laughs) Have fun, guys.
0: That's henryusa.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, who's there for heroes or their families left behind when a service member or a first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless vets and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11-01? I'll tell you who. It's the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Now the Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veterans Programs, and the Foundation's Never Forget Programs engage people in 9-11 remembrances all across America. Over 80 runs, walks, climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute, they're educating kids from kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep their vow to never forget. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. They're hoping all of us will donate $11 a month. Just go to their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org, the letter T, number two, letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now the same Hollywood that sold the American dream. They are now making nightmares a reality. at hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean S E A N